Thank you for listening to this episode. How many near-death experiences can we have? With many life adventures and pushing the will to live life to its fullest, we also found ourselves in the situations where the outcome could have been fatal. One time we were in Hawaii and at our favorite beach, Sansuchi. Now out past the reef is this buoy alerting boats not to enter this area. And we often see people swimming back and forth to this buoy. From the beach, this buoy does not look like it's that far out. Kim and I both know how to swim. We swim in some triathlons. We swim in pools. But we really never swim in the ocean. But we're athletes, right? So we could do this. Off we go. Slow pace, doing great. Swimming along, I'm looking at the ocean floor, it's getting deeper, seeing all the reefs, the fishes. I pop my head up to realize that we're not even halfway there. Crack. So I change strokes and keep going. We finally reach the buoy. I'm hanging on to it, Kim's hanging on to it, and my arms and body are just exhausted. When you're on the buoy, looking back at the shore, it's a long way. I asked Kim how she was doing, and she said she was exhausted as well. So we decided that we would backstroke first, because it's more kicking, and try to rest our arms, then switch strokes after a few minutes, and that we would take our time so we can make it back safely. Off we go, heading back to the beach, backstroking it. We only go a few yards, which felt like a mile, when some of the waves were crashing on us. And in the backstroke position, we couldn't duck under them. So we were just taking water in the face. Once we come up from the wave, we're both disoriented, no doubt, probably flailing around. And that's when I see a jet ski hitting right for us. The lifeguard on the jet ski puts us on this mat that's hanging on the back. And he politely said, ladies, I think you need some help. To which we humbly said, yes, we do. And thank you. He brought us back to the shore and embarrassed. We collapsed on our towels and then just started giggling. I mean, what were we thinking? Then there is this time we were caught in the fire. Kim and I had just spent Thanksgiving at my brother's house in Bishop. We merged off the 395 onto the 15 near Hesperia and noticed the brown sky from the smoke. Traffic was moving slowly, which isn't uncommon for that area, fire or no fire. We reached the Cajon Pass when we noticed no cars on the other side of the freeway. Our side had slowed down to about 10 miles an hour, right there on the pass heading down, and then we come to a complete stop. 
on the passenger side of us is this trucker. We're sitting there for a while. Folks are starting to get anxious, you can see, getting out of their car and looking. Some people are getting out of their car and, you know, hiking over to the brush to go to the bathroom. And other folks are walking their dogs. And it's starting to get pretty smoky. Kim rolls down her window. She's sitting in the passenger side. Gets the trucker's attention. Because we know that he has a radio. We're still not seeing any cars on the other side of the freeway. And the trucker tells us they closed the road as a fire is coming up over the hill on the other side of the freeway. Well, that makes sense why we didn't see any cars. He said the fire is burning on the side of the road and that the center divider ahead of us. Kim and I look back behind us and it's a parking lot. Cars backed all the way up the hill. We can't go forward. We can't go back. We can't go anywhere. We hear a cop car on this loudspeaker on the other side of the freeway. He's the only car on the other side. He's telling everyone to get back in the cars and to be prepared to evacuate. Now, by this time, the fire has come over the hill and we can see it. We're looking right at it. The smoke is getting so thick, it's like raining ash on our windows. There's about five lanes of traffic. We're all bumper to bumper and it's a parking lot. And now you can see the fire coming over the hill. We're looking around and I'm not seeing any cars moving. I'm not seeing any cars starting. I'm not seeing any brake lights. And we have no idea how many cars are in front of us all the way down. So I'm really curious how we're all being evacuated. And I'm not even kidding when I tell you, we were so scared by this point. We actually called our families. We told them what was going on. We told them how much we loved them. And we told them we didn't know if we were actually going to make it out of this. Now, the smoke is so bad, we can't even see 20 cars ahead of us. The trucker gets our attention, and he says they've opened one lane, and we're all going to drive out and to get ready. Sure enough, windshield wipers on because of the ash. Not seeing more than, at this point, was probably 20 feet in front of us. Just all you saw were the brake lights, cars brake lights from everyone hitting their brakes. We all sort of funneled into one lane, merging into the center lane of the five lanes, and start heading down the Cajon Pass. And as we're moving, the center divider is on fire. The empty lanes on the other side of us, that whole side is on fire. And then the fire had this time jumped over, now was on our side. The hill was on fire. It's a very surreal experience. Honestly, just like in the movies, when you're driving with flames on both sides of you, heavy smoke, only seeing the brake lights. And we made it through, shaking, scared to death. I mean, white as a sheet. My hands from the steering wheel were like white knuckled. I was gripping the steering wheel so fast. It was a very surreal experience. And of course, we did call our families as soon as we made it through the pass. Not long after that, we actually drove back by through there to go spend Christmas at my brother's and to see the hills completely charred and black and the center divider lanes completely charred and black. We just knew how lucky we were. 
As you know, we like doing a lot of outdoorsy stuff. We were mountain biking up in the Queen Macca Mountains, Team Huff Puff and stuff, when I started not to feel too well on the trail. So we agreed I'd ride back to the car and everyone else would continue. I was only a few miles from the car, very familiar with the trail, so didn't think I'd have a problem. And not only that, it was all mostly downhill. So I'm coasting along, taking my time, checking out the views, when at the last minute, at the corner of my eye, I see this coiled rattlesnake. And it strikes at me. But at the exact moment I had just pushed down on my pedal, my foot down on the bottom. So when it hit, my foot was coming back around. It missed my leg, hit the tire, but my foot, when bringing the pedal back around, kicked the rattlesnake into the front of me. I squeezed my brakes, slid to a stop. My heart is pounding. I thought for sure I was bit. I looked down at my leg. The snake's all doing flippy floppy things. I looked down at my leg. I'm not bit. But now I have this pissed off rattlesnake in the middle of the trail. And I'm on the other side of it. It slowly swerves over to the side. I get on my bike and I keep going. And my heart is racing. I'm shaking. That is, in my whole time of living in San Diego, the closest I'd ever been to being bit by a rattlesnake. I got down the hill a little bit, stopped, because I was just a mess. I grabbed my phone and I tried to call Kim to tell her what happened. No cell service. And I'm still a few miles from my car. And then that's when it hit me. Had I been bitten, no one around, no cell service. The worst thing I could do is start biking because then the poison would spread because my heart rate would be up. I did finally reach the car safely. And when Kim and Team Huff Puff and stuff arrived back, Kim looked at me, said, what happened? You're white as a sheet. I told her what happened. And then that's when we said the new rule is that no one rides alone ever again. Speaking of mountain biking, for I think it was my 40th birthday, Team Huff Puff and Stuff decided to go to Mammoth to celebrate. We rented a condo, brought our mountain bikes, as Mammoth had opened the mountain during the summer for mountain biking. So on my birthday, we take our mountain bikes to the gondola, load them up, and it goes very top of the mountain. It's kind of crazy up there. It's almost like being on the moon. No trees, no plants, just dirt and rocks. We pick the easiest trail you can mountain bike from the top of the mountain. And we take off. It's fun. There's switchbacks, little jumps. We're having a blast. We make it down to the tree line. The trail's getting a little more technical. I'm in the lead. It's my birthday. Whoop, whoop. It's downhill. I'm going pretty fast. We come to this drop off and I go to jump it. I lift my handlebars up, get a little air, and I hit a tree. Now this tree's branches sticking out where they actually went through my spokes and one branch nearly stabbing me. I had this gash on the side of my stomach where I went 
into the trees past the branch. Now, if you can picture this, my bike is suspended off the ground in tree branches in the tree. I'm suspended off the ground in this tree, in the tree branches, nearly, I mean, within inches of actually being impaled by this branch. After helping me down and out of the tree, making sure I was okay, it really hit me how bad this situation could have been. So on my birthday, in almost getting impaled by a tree branch, I slowed down, took my time, and just enjoyed the ride down because I wanted to be able to celebrate my birthday when we got down to the end of the hill. On one of our many road trips, we always visit national parks. And on this trip, we were at the King Sequoia National Park for two days. Never been there before, Kim scoped out what hiking trails and bike rides she wanted us to do. So on the first day, we head out on our first hike. We hike a few miles in, and it's just beautiful. Big, tall sequoias, everything's green, the sky is blue. Just a beautiful hike. We round this corner, and in the middle of a group of trees is kind of a small grassy area. And in this grassy area was a sort of big beige rock. It looked out of place. And as we get closer to the trees, the surrounding grassy area, the rock looks up at us. It actually wasn't a rock. It was a big bear. The bear sort of took a few steps towards us, and it was at that moment that we see these three small cubs, not even two feet tall, all go running up the tree right in front of us. Crap. The baby bears would slide down the trees, fall on the ground on top of each other, then they'd run up the tree again. It was our first time seeing such small cubs, and we couldn't help but smile and watch them play. In doing so, we didn't realize that the mama bear had been walking towards us. Between her and us are the baby cubs. We had this panic moment of what to do. And then we realized the best thing to do was just not move. We weren't between the mama and her babies, but we did just stand there frozen. Now, the tree with the babies were probably about 20 feet from us, and Mama Bear was just on the other side of the trees. After about 15 minutes and several photos taken by me, we slowly walked away and continued on hiking. The Mama Bear followed us for about 10 feet or so and then stopped, went back to the grass, and we continued our hike. I thought that would be the closest we would ever come to a bear. But I was wrong. On that same hike, a few miles later down the trail, we round this tree. And as we round it, literally next to the tree in the bush, eating berries, was the biggest bear I'd ever seen in person. And it was only a few feet away from us. We literally walked up on it. The bear stopped, turned its head towards us, 
We stopped, but were shaking. I was in front of Kim, so closest to the bear. After what seemed like hours, and we stared at the bear, and the bear stared at us, the bear turned its head back to the bush of berries, started eating. What do we do? We knew the end of the trail was not far ahead and really didn't want to go back by Mama and her babies. So we slowly walked by the bear, talking to it. That's right. We were like, hi, nice bear. Hope you're enjoying your lunch, nice bear. And we just slowly walked by it, talking to it. And once we were out of sight, Kim and I arrived safely back at the van. Kim started a list of items needed for the trips. First on the list, bear spray. You would think that we'd learned our lesson with wild animals in the wild, but no. We were in Alaska and wanted to go on a hike. And there are signs everywhere about the dangers of a moose. The trail we were going on was a popular trail, so we felt pretty safe. There's a road with cars about 50 feet away, so not too rural of a trail. Could see the vehicles, kind of paralleled. So off we went on the hike. And this trail is beautiful. We're a few miles in, and once again, we round this corner, we see a moose. Now I've never seen a moose in person, so how do we know it fits a baby moose or a mama moose? I mean, the thing was bigger than a horse. It looked at us. We froze in place. How did we figure out it was a baby moose? Well, when the mama moose walked out of the bushes next to it, I mean, this thing was like the size of an elephant. Now we're in trouble. Unbeknownst to us, a car can see what was happening and stopped. We hear this man yelling over to us, walk to my car slowly. We walk to his car slowly, Mama Moose following us a bit. He said, stay on my side of the car. So now between the moose and us is this car. He starts driving slowly, us walking next to it, and the moose staring us down, starts walking. We go about a half mile and the moose stops. And the guy says to us, you're going to be okay now if you want to walk back up to the trail. And Kim and I looked at each other and we're like, we're good. How do you get back to the parking lot? Kim and I planned this big two-week national park tour hitting several national parks. The night before, I loaded up the van and parked it on the street. In the morning, I connected our third vehicle to the back. It was a hectic morning, getting everything ready, the dogs ready, Kim ready. We're driving along the freeway, cruising along, and Kim gets up as she hears water bottles in the back kind of clinking. Kim moves them around and says, really vibrating back there. She sits back down, puts on her seatbelt, and within minutes, we hear this loud pop. The van jerks and pulls me over two lanes, 
about to head into this ditch. I correct the steering wheel, but I have no traction. We swerve two lanes to the right. I look out the review. I see sparks flying. I smell, we smell smoke. Stuff's coming in the back. The dogs are barking. The van skids literally to a stop on the side of the road. Our hearts stop racing, shaking, seeing smoke. Is there on fire? We realize we're okay. Get up, no fire. Figure out where the smoke's coming from, not seeing any flames. I go outside the van. The back tire was completely gone. It was just rim. No fire. But underneath van where the tanks are, the hoses, all that, completely gone. We look down the freeway and for about what looks like a quarter of a mile are our tanks, hoses, uh, pieces of tire, everything all on the road. We were lucky, though, very lucky. We were towing the Jeep behind us. And I honestly think that is what saved us from tipping over into the ditch. And to think just moments before that, Kim was standing up in the back of the van fixing the water bottles. It was very close. The one that affected me the most and changed my life forever is when... Kim physically saved my life. We had just done a big hike and picked up dinner on the way home. I ordered a side of French fries for us to share. This was the type of French fry where it's called a steak cut French fry. They're much bigger and thicker. We sit down to eat and after eating my salad, I grabbed the French fry. After chewing it, I went to swallow and it got stuck in my throat. I sipped some water to see if it would go down, and it didn't. I started hitting my chest and jumping up and down to see if it would pass, and it didn't. Kim yells, are you choking? I'm nodding yes. She comes behind me to do the Heimlich, and she's doing it, you know, from behind. Nothing's coming out. I'm trying to grasp for air and nothing. It's hard to explain. But I start to feel my eyes starting to close, like I'm dying. When I turn to our kitchen counter, with Kim holding onto me from behind, trying to still give me the Heimlich, I take off running, and I run my chest into the counter, hoping to dislodge the French fry. A little piece comes out, so I had what felt like the size of a coffee straw air path but I'm gasping for air and getting just a little. I look down and I see blood. I run to the sink gasping. Kim follows me, pounding on my back with one hand. Her other hand, she puts under the running water as blood is oozing from the top of her hand and the skin is just filleted open. I'm trying to talk, but can't. I can't even take a breath, a deep breath. She grabs a towel, wraps it around her hand, so it looks like a boxing glove. The dogs are barking. She grabs the car keys as we walk out of the house. We drive to the hospital, Kim driving through every red light. We walk into the emergency room. I'm still trying to gasp for air with what little air pocket I have to breathe from. 
we're standing in line in the emergency room and there's two people in front of us and we look like a mess. Kim and I both have blood all over our shirts. Kim has a towel wrapped around her hand that she's holding up above her heart that is completely drenched in blood and it's dripping now blood on the floor. I'm standing next to Kim gasping for air, feeling lightheaded. The intake nurse calls next to the folks in front of us. Once they step towards her, the intake nurse can see us. Next thing we know, doors fly open, people are coming and they whisk both Kim and I away. I still could not talk, but they figured out I was choking and had something stuck in my throat. I didn't see Kim for about an hour. They numbed my face, stuck some camera thing in my nose, and then they drugged me to where when I woke up, I could talk, but my throat really hurt. I asked where my wife was. They asked her name. I said, Kim Butler. We got the usual, oh, you're both named Kim. How sweet. They said they would give me an update on Kim as soon as they could. I was wheeled in my hospital bed to x-ray. And while waiting outside x-ray, they rolled Kim up in a wheelchair for x-ray as well. She held up her hand. She had 28 stitches in the shape of a U. She said that she was receiving updates on me. We held hands till the x-ray person came out. The technician said, you ladies are the talk of the ER tonight. You're married. You're both named Kim, and you both came in the ER at the same time. This never happens. When we were done, they wheeled us back to our separate sections in the ER. They wanted to run more tests on me, so I was there much longer. When Kim was finished up, she came to my room. Then after a while, we were both released and went home. As we opened the front door, it looked like a crime scene. Blood on the counter, blood on the floor, smeared blood on the walls, bloody towels in the sink. And to top it all off, the dogs walking through it now, bloody paw prints all over the house. I actually had PTSD for a bit, not being able to sleep, kind of reliving that choking feeling. I was afraid to eat again. Since then, though, I eat smaller portions, I chew longer, I've never eaten a steak fry again, and I'm typically the last person to finish eating. The test did indicate that I had acid in the stomach that causes my throat to swell, and that this all happens without me knowing. I didn't feel any pain or any acid indigestion, so I actually have no idea when this happens. And because of that, I take this pill now every day, and since then, I've never had another choking accident. Kim's hand healed up, but it left a U-shaped scar on the top of her hand. Kim saved my life that day. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. Recommend it to your friends who may need a laugh, some motivation, or just want to hear about our love story. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Kims until death do us part. Until next time, go out and live. You had fun.
You have lived and you are loved.